Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Salaf Lodi, and this episode is everything you need to know about breastfeeding, postpartum, and intimacy issues afterwards. Before we get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I am not giving any type of religious or medical advice. So if you have any concerns about your health, please speak with your medical provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please ask your friendly neighborhood religious leader. It's the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman who talks about sex. And also before we get into the episode, I just want the viewers and the listeners to know that I have a retreat coming up in May, May 19th through the 21st. So make sure you go on my link in my bio and check it out. It'll be awesome. I have a nutritionist as well that's coming in. So that's going to be great. And also I have a free download on my link also on Beacons, which is on my Instagram as well as my TikTok. So feel free to go check that out and make sure you get your copy of the free download. And now we are all ready to start our uh, podcast and please welcome Dr. Andrea Wadley. So nice to have you here, Dr. Wadley. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, My name is Andrea Wadley. Like you said, I'm a pediatrician. I'm also trained in lactation um, consulting and do breastfeeding medicine. Um, So what that means is I have the doctoring side of things and the lactation side of things so I can solve a lot of problems for moms in the community who are breastfeeding. Um, So I have a small boutique type home visit practice here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. Um, as well as I offer online breastfeeding medicine education um, and am launching a breastfeeding medicine um, center where moms can go to find all of the information that they need um, to support them during this time of their life. That is amazing. You know, that is so sorely needed. I mean, I wish we could clone that in every single city and town in the U.S. and all over the world. I mean, so many women could use your help and also help with all of the questions that they have after breastfeeding and after delivery and the fact that you're a pediatrician you know they can ask you all the questions about their babies i mean i think that what you are doing is absolutely amazing and especially the postpartum period where you can barely even get out of bed let alone brush your teeth and then you got this little kid, you know, sitting there yeah. crying and screaming and you're trying not to have a meltdown. I mean, gosh, to have a pediatrician who knows breastfeeding and can take care of the baby and tell me what's going on is just an amazing, amazing combo. So, yeah. So tell me more. Um, so I had started this practice about five years ago now, actually. Um, prior to that, it was a newborn hospital doctor. So I helped moms 
um, you know, during the first two days after life, and then we would send the baby on, right, to their outpatient pediatrician. Um, and during those years, I noticed that lots of moms think that they know so much about breastfeeding that it's going to be easy, that it's not going to be a big deal, that they didn't need to prepare. Um, and then they would get to the place, you know, during the first few hours after delivery when they were exhausted and they were trying to process all this information that we were giving them, um, you know, as well as worrying about the baby actually eating. So it was a really stressful time. So I emphasize, you know, making sure that you're educating yourself ahead of time, um, which is why I started the Breastfeeding Education Center so that you can take some classes, that you can connect with other providers um, that are in the postpartum realm so that you can know kind of what to expect in order to do these things early. So a lot of what breastfeeding success involves is making sure you know what to do early on. So absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I'm curious to find out. So what are the typical issues that somebody comes across when they are nursing? And then, you know, we can also talk a little bit later about the intimacy issue, intimacy issues that come mm -hmm. about um, with breastfeeding and postpartum moms and all that stuff. But what are the common issues that you see for somebody that's newly breastfeeding? So usually first time moms just it just feels really overwhelming. And even myself, even as a pediatrician, you know, I breastfed my daughter 10 years ago when she was born almost 10 years ago now. And I thought I knew all the things, but I knew nothing, right? And I had this yeah. little tiny baby yeah. and she, she was extremely jaundiced. And then I was feeding her all the time and she wasn't gaining weight. I had no idea what was going on. So, mm -hmm. um, so a lot of it is just overwhelming and it's, there's so much self doubt, you know, even when you're doing things well, you are always questioning, um, you know, whether the baby's getting enough breast milk, how can you measure the breast milk? Why am I feeling these certain feelings, um, experiencing these symptoms, and what can I do about them? So just just a lot of things that we do to support moms postpartum, um, which we don't do a great job of that in this country. So I'm, I'm working to change that one little tiny uh, house call at a time. So yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's so many questions that come about when you start breastfeeding, you know, with latching and all of those things. But you know, I think that, you know, a lot of my patients or a lot of our viewers and listeners are really probably interested in, you know, intimacy issues and relationship issues that come about in breastfeeding moms and postpartum and things like that. So have you noticed or have your patients talked to you about any of those type of issues that come about while they're nursing? Yeah, so generally people don't talk about these things, right? No, which is, right. Uh, which is, I'm glad that you have this podcast so that we can talk about these things and make it more normalized for people. So, you know, really based on my own experience, you know, thinking about the things that happen to your body postpartum, you 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 work so hard in the beginning to breastfeed, your body has changed a whole lot. Um, you know, you're just very much in survival mode. And then you see your OB at six weeks postpartum, you know, if you've had a vaginal delivery. And, and that visit is great. But then they, you know, often say, okay, great, you're clear. And yeah. what does that mean? You know, you go home and your husband's excited about that. But are, are you really ready? Are you excited about those things? So, um, you know, just the postpartum changes. They do a lot to your body and in your mental health and your, in your desire for things, um, like that. Um, 
Absolutely. You know, during that period of time, yes. Yeah. So, you know, being an OBGYN, where we're, you and I are at the opposite ends, right? There's the pregnancy mm-hmm. and then you're the pediatrician. But absolutely. So when I have a lot of patients that come back to me postpartum, and oftentimes what they'll notice is vaginal dryness, you know, they may have decreased libido, decreased arousal, and they oftentimes will experience pain after having had a baby. And the reason for that is that the hormones in the body, you know, as you are well aware, but mainly for our listeners, is that, you know, they all go down once you deliver that baby. So the estrogen, the progesterone, they go down, they fall right away so that the other hormone, we know oxytocin, which allows that milk to come into the breast and is actually the hormone responsible for that bonding that is necessary between the mom and the baby. And that hormone also allows that milk to come into that breast. And so with all of these hormone fluctuations, I'm sure you probably see that as well with the breastfeeding consultations that you do. But, you know, the moms can be definitely overwhelmed, but with so much going on in their body and also externally with now having to take care of a newborn that, you know, it's no surprise that women will have decreased libido. Right. Mm-hmm. So Correct. when they have so many things on their plate, multiple studies have shown that, you know, it that libido, that arousal is absolutely going to be affected. So when a woman has intercourse for the first time after a delivery, she's going to have a lot of times she'll have that vaginal dryness. Right. She's going to have perhaps a hard time getting aroused, perhaps a hard time finding that desire because she's just overwhelmed. And that stress, that stress that happens to our bodies affects everything and definitely affects desire and it affects our libido. And so, you know, we just have to be really aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. Just like you said, all of those hormones involved in breastfeeding suppress all those other things. So, you know, when your estrogen is low, you have night sweats, which was extremely surprising to me. Um, You have vaginal dryness, you have lack of desire, and then your breasts are just full of milk. So how do you navigate that when you're trying to be intimate? Um, Plus being just exhausted and overwhelmed. And, you know, it just kind of becomes another thing on your to-do list. So, you know, all of that is, is pretty normal, you know, experiencing those things. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure, I don't know if um, you've heard of Emily Nagoski. She has that book, Come As You Are, and she talks a lot about the brakes and the accelerators. And she talks about, you know, things that cause breaks um, in a relationship. And when you're trying to find that intimate time, that physical connection with your partner, and definitely having a newborn, being exhausted, you know, having so many things on your plate will absolutely affect the breaks in a relationship and in your body so that you'll have a hard time getting aroused. You'll have a hard time feeling that desire to get that female sexual response going. And so all of those things will affect it. Um, you know, oftentimes what I find is helpful for patients is to, you know, have date nights, right? And so I don't know what you tell your patients about um, those that are trying to rekindle that relationship while they're breastfeeding and nursing, you know, what advice do you offer them? 
Yeah. So, you know, by the time you get to the evening and you're exhausted, your spouse has maybe worked all day, you've taken care of the baby all day, maybe you have other kids and you've been doing all those things, you know, you're exhausted, you're tired, right? So um, date nights are wonderful. You can get a babysitter, have a date night. Um, It's also okay to take advantage of nap time. So, you know, so like on a weekend, if your baby is napping, that is a perfect time to, you know, have some intimate time with your husband. And, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily sex, but it can be, you know, time alone and um, time together and focusing on each other instead of, you know, worrying about the things of parenthood. Um, And then, you know, because of the way the hormones are behaving in your body and causing symptoms, you know, things like lubricant or vaginal estrogen is something you could bring up with your OB-GYN, you know, so in the early days of breastfeeding, when you're estrogen is just so low um, that all of those things are dry and painful. You know, some of those um, additional support during that time will help you, Um, you know, and then as your estrogen starts to come back to normal, your baby's getting older, you're tired and busy and, you know, just making sure that you're making time uh, for that to be a priority um, in your relationship with, with your spouse or your significant other. I'm so happy that you bring that up in terms of intimacy, right? And what you just said is that it doesn't necessarily have to be physical. You know, you can definitely have physical intimacy, but there are other forms of intimacy. You can have emotional intimacy, you can have intellectual intimacy, and you can have like spiritual intimacy, right? So just the the word itself, intimacy, is just a togetherness, a sense of closeness that you have with another person, right? So physical intimacy is just one part of it, but there's so many others. And and like you said, you can do so many other things. You can cuddle, you can hold hands, you can just spend time together without um, thinking about other people and just you know, focus on the other person, right? That a lot of that has to do with mindfulness. And so many studies have shown that when we are mindful and just really focused on the present moment and what you're doing in that moment without judgment, that that increases not only arousal and desire, but it also increases the intimacy that you feel with your partner. And I'm also so glad that you brought up the point of lubricants, right? Lubricants, you know, women should know that there's absolutely no shame in using a lubricant, right? That is what so many women in the world need and use to help moisturize and make the friction less during intercourse. And especially during that postpartum period when you have a lot of vaginal dryness due to right what we just talked about with the hormones going down and the breastfeeding, um, that you need that lubrication and it's okay and it you know, absolutely should be normalized. So I'm so glad you bring up those two points about intimacy and lubrication. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So what are the, uh, some of the other things that women come to you for um, in terms of, you know, when you see them postpartum? Well, so in my practice now, usually I get um, calls for women who need help with breastfeeding. Yeah. And often that is, you know, they're not sure the baby's getting enough. The pediatrician's worried about the baby's weight, um, you know, or or the mom is having pain. Those are usually the the two main things that people call me for is pain with latch or that the baby's not gaining like we're hoping and expecting. So, Mm -hmm. and so how are, you know, how are those video consults that you do? Are they, um, you know, the, 
the mom is able to show you how the baby's latching on and then you just guide her then online? Yeah, so I'm able to do some video consults, but mostly I do in-person um, consults. So usually what we do is we weigh the baby first, you know, naked without anything um, right when I get there. And then we try we try our best to time the consult with a, a feeding time for the baby. It doesn't always work out perfect. Um, and then I observe the mom, um, put the baby to breast and see what she's doing and see if I can offer some pointers um, to help her do things differently. Or if the baby won't latch, we, I show her some tricks and tips and we kind of do that. And then I observe the whole feeding, um, you know, in, in teaching the mom about breastfeeding and latch and all of those things while I'm observing the baby feed. And then afterwards we weigh the baby and that gives us a rough estimate of how much milk the baby is transferring from the breast. Um, and then afterwards I, you know, I write up a whole note with a, a plan of action um, and then I'm available to the mom for a couple of weeks via text if she has any other questions. Um, and then we can always do a follow-up um, video visit or, you know, an, another in-person visit if needed. Um, and then I communicate with the their pediatrician, their family doctor, OB, or whoever had sent them to me um, to make sure that the mom is getting well cared for in every aspect of breastfeeding and postpartum. So. Oh, sure. Well, that sounds awesome. I'm so glad you have that service. I absolutely agree um, that it's important, especially for women that want to breastfeed, right? So some women are not able to breastfeed and there are other women that are and love it. And so I am so glad that they have that support in you where you're able to guide them and also show them proper latch. You know, I just had a patient to actually the other day that came to the office and her nipples were all cracked because of the improper latch, right? And she couldn't figure out why the baby wasn't gaining weight. It's because the baby's not latching and not getting enough milk. And even though she had so much milk, it's just the whole process of it was just not working. And so, you know, I told her to go because unfortunately I'm not um, certified in lactation, but it, you know, not that you even have to be certified, to be honest, I haven't really, you know, done breastfeeding with a patient in a long time. And so I just felt that she would probably be better served, you know, going to the hospital and seeing a lactation consultant who could then properly fix her latch. And so that the baby could get the milk that it needed to gain weight. Yeah. And without her having pain too. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Because her yeah. nipples cracked and bleeding and things like that. So absolutely. You know, I think something else that you bring up, which is very important is body image, right? So you had mentioned that, you know, so many things change postpartum, you have a woman that, you know, is lactating, and then her body's changed from the pregnancy. And so there's so many things that come with that, right? And there's self esteem. And there's oftentimes when women may be intimate with their partners, you know, they may be spectating, which is just kind of, you know, not really in their own body, but just kind of watching themselves from outside of their body. And and so I think that to help with that, you know, women would need to kind of work on their thoughts. And I'm wondering if, you know, you've noticed that uh, with the women that come in that you deal with. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, a lot of intimacy starts in our brains, right? So, you know, thinking through what your body looks like, what it feels like, what sort of things that you're worried about, um, and discussing that with your significant other. So if you're 
intimate and having sex with someone, you should be able to also discuss, you know, how things are making you feel, you know, the parts of your body that you're not excited about, um, you know, and, and being able to have an open communication about those things, um, you know, especially during breastfeeding when, you know, hormones and oxytocin is released also during, you know, orgasm in those kinds of um, moments. And so milk can leak and just, it, it can feel awkward if you haven't discussed that, you know, prior to those things. So just having open communication, I think with your partner is, is the best thing to do. And, you know, the, the best way to enjoy intimacy in any shape or form of your body and postpartum or not. So. Absolutely. And I'm so glad again, that you bring that up about communication, right? So that is actually one of the leading things that somebody can do to increase emotional intimacy and intimacy in general with their partner is open communication. And there is a screening tool. It's called the female sexual satisfaction tool. And practitioners can use that. And those that are in sexual medicine do use that to see how satisfied women are in their relationship. And they've noticed that the number one factor in determining what determining whether a woman is sexually satisfied in her relationship is how well her communication is. So what you just stated about, you know, speaking with your partner, being honest, right? And uh, it's hard to be vulnerable, but when you're able to be vulnerable, it only increases that togetherness and that love and that connection that you have with your partner. So I think that communication is absolutely important. And especially at a critical time when, you know, you're postpartum, you have all these hormones all over the place, you know, you're trying to figure out how you feel and what's going on with that baby. And so when you're able to discuss how you feel and what your thoughts are, um, I think that really helps connecting with your partner. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So how are some ways that uh, people can get in touch with you? You know, people are listening to this podcast and, you know, I'm so grateful for the downloads that we've had. We've had um, around 40,000 downloads and people are listening all over the world. So if somebody was interested in you, but they weren't local, you know, how do you do those consultations? How could they get in touch with you? Yeah, awesome. So I have a, a very local practice. I do all home visits. So if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, you know, you can look me up on my website, 127pediatrics.com. I, I have a pediatric practice where I uh, do a membership and, and see kids like a almost like a concierge type model. Um, and then as well, I do breastfeeding medicine consults outside of the you know, the regular membership practice. So I can do one-off visits. I see a lot of physician moms um, in Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, I, I can also do tongue-tie uh, releases, which is is great because usually physicians are looking for someone with knowledge in that. But um, so 127pediatrics.com. I'm also on Instagram. Um, and then if you're outside of Texas or even outside the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you're looking for breastfeeding support. I have a new breastfeeding medicine center that I'm launching online. So it's breastfeeding.127pediatrics.com. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, all of those places, um, you know, at the same address, 127pediatrics. So Awesome. Awesome. And so before we go, I'm wondering if you have any tips for new moms regarding breastfeeding that you would recommend, um, something that it, you know, might be helpful to them, somebody that's uh, listening and um, maybe some 
words that you'd like to say to them? Yeah, sure. So if you are pregnant and you're planning to breastfeed, you would like to breastfeed, it's really important to educate yourself because a lot of what happens with breastfeeding with the hormones and your body changes have to happen early. So, you know, you can't decide two weeks in that you want to breastfeed and necessarily find success with it, or you can't have lots of problems in the beginning and have success with, you know, whatever your definition of success is, uh, but long-term breastfeeding. Um, So make sure you're educating yourself early so you know what to expect and and the things you need to do. Um, And second, if you're choosing not to breastfeed, you don't want to breastfeed, or you start to try and it doesn't work well, it's okay. Like there's other ways to feed your baby. We live thankfully in a country where we have availability of safe alternative um, to breastfeeding and it's okay. It's not anything that we're trying to judge you on. Um, You know, a lot of moms will come back to me and be and feel shame that they didn't get it to work. Like I was instructing them to do and, and there's no shame in it. There's no, um, you know, the weight of what you do as a mom is not measured in ounces of breast milk or time breastfeeding or any of that. So if, if it's interrupting your connection with the baby or your connection with your partner, or other things, and it's just not working, it's okay. So those are my two big things that I always, you know, emphasize and make sure that people know. You know, I really appreciate you saying that because hearing a physician and especially a pediatrician say that it's okay if the breastfeeding doesn't work, right, I think takes a lot of pressure off the mom. We know that when you're stressed, right, that can also affect breastfeeding. And so when you have that added pressure of, you know, oh, am I going to be successful at this? Or, you know, I'm going to feel shame or, you know, somebody's going to judge me because I'm not breastfeeding, right? That's all, all of those things will impact the breastfeeding itself. So I, you know, I'm really happy that you said that there's no shame if you're not able to breastfeed, right? I mean, I didn't really breastfeed my kids very long and they're still, I mean, they're doing okay, you know? So (laughs) I think that, um, yeah, I think it's really important that, uh, that what you said is, you know, is helpful for new moms. So I appreciate that. And, um, one more thing before we go, and I want to make sure because it came to me is that I'm wondering, do you tell new moms in terms of like supplements or what to eat or drink or, you know, um, also how to take care of their bodies while they're breastfeeding? Yeah, so that is a huge subject. But <laughs> yeah, so for, for breastfeeding, you need extra calories. So, you know, if your goal postpartum is not to gain a bunch of extra weight, you want those calories to be quality calories. So you need about 500 extra calories over your baseline amount of calories that you would normally eat. Um, so making sure you're focusing on nutrient dense foods, you know, protein is really important, uh, fruits and vegetables, all of that good stuff. So not cookies and lactation cookies and all the things that you're like, oh, I'm free to eat whatever I want. Um, You are, but eventually that catches up with you. Um, And then just making sure that you're hydrating well. So you drink more water than you think you could possibly drink in a day. And then you drink some more. So you really hydration is a huge thing in breastfeeding. You know, breast milk is mostly made of water. Um, So just making sure that your body is getting what it needs. Um, So you know, I talk about breastfeeding is like, it's like a scavenger, right? So it's going to take everything and put it into the breast milk for the baby and it leaves you with nothing. So making sure that you're taking your prenatal vitamins will help you. 
um, to keep your body in shape and eating healthy. Um, and then the only thing the baby really needs extra um, over breast milk itself is vitamin D. So we, in this country, we just don't get enough. Um, we just don't have enough vitamin D because we just don't spend the time in the sun because we're, you know, worried about our skin and very rightly so. So, you know, either mom can take 6,400 international units of vitamin D and that's been shown to get enough vitamin D to the baby, or you can supplement the baby um, with the 400 International units, which is usually just a little dropper of vitamin D every day. Um, so those are the big things. Um, and then this morning I did Instagram live and there we talked, I talked with a postpartum exercise trainer. So you can catch that and, and learn more about what we talked about, um, you know, returning to exercise and those kind of things postpartum. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, gosh, this has been so helpful and so good. And I, and I wish I had found you when um, I had my kids <laughs> when they were small because you would have been a godsend. So, uh, well, thank you so much, Dr. Wadley, for coming in and giving us all these pearls of your knowledge regarding breastfeeding and intimacy and relationships and all of that. We really appreciate it and appreciate what you do for your patients. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I am done here. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. I would love to see those five stars. So please leave me a review and or also please share this episode. It's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So please see your healthcare provider for any concerns you may have. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one -on -one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsadaf.com. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thank you.